Chapter 12, Transfer of Title. Chapter 12 is going to tell us how we can take this thing we've been learning about, this title, which we go back to Chapter 7 when we talked about you know, fee simple estates and our title to property, this bundle of rights that we have this title to. How can we transfer it from one person to another? And that's what this whole chapter is about. And they start off with a couple of terms that we want to know, a deed and bill of sale. Uh, a deed is you know, a way of transferring real estate, must be in writing. A bill of sale is also in writing. It conveys personal property. So at a real estate closing, you're going to see both those documents, the deed to convey title to the real property and a bill of sale to convey ownership of any personal property items. A grantor is uh, what we uh, is the name we uh, give to the uh, person that's selling real real property, granting real estate, and the grantee is the person who receives the deed. If you will, the grantor is the seller, the grantee is the buyer. Under the bill of sale, we call the seller a vendor, and under the bill of sale, we call the seller a vendee. So. Four ways to convey title. Voluntary alienation, involuntary alienation, by will, and by descent. Voluntary alienation, found on pages 219 to 227, is what happens in most real estate sale transactions. Somebody voluntarily conveys their title from one party to another. Uh, an involuntary alienation is where the uh, grantor uh, loses title well, uh, you know, frankly, without their consent, they're forced to convey title. And we'll learn a little bit about when, that, when you can do this involuntarily. Uh, you can transfer title by will, and we can transfer title by a uh, law called the uh, statute of descent. Well, so by will is when we, we transfer title when we make a will. By descent is when we transfer title because we don't have a will or our will is invalid. Those are the four main ways of conveying title to property. So starting with voluntary alienation, uh, we're using a deed here to voluntarily convey from the uh, grantor to the grantee. Uh, we have to have a grantor who is legally has the legal capacity to convey. We have to grant have a grantee that we name on the deed. We have to have consideration, so you know the seller of the property has to be getting something for their sale, either usually something in terms of monetary's worth. So usually the seller's, you know, getting getting money for his conveyance. Granting clause in our deed, we have to have words of conveyance, so we can grant from one legally grant from one party to the other. So those magic words have to be in the deed. <coughs> We have to have a legal description of the property being conveyed. And we have to have uh, exceptions or reservations stated in the deed. So we maybe were conveying this, the title of this property, but perhaps we're only conveying just the air rights to the property. So we would have to have exceptions in there to show that we're not conveying the surface or subsurface rights. Or perhaps in the deed, we're only conveying the subsurface rights. Uh, the oil, if you will, or the gas deposits to somebody. Uh, reservations might be we're conveying this title and we're making uh, make it in contingent that the uh, new owner use the property in a certain manner. 
and if they don't use the property in a certain manner, they'll lose title, it'll come back to us. So those should be stated in the deed. Uh, the seller will sign the deed. The buyers don't have to sign deeds, but sellers have to sign the deed showing that this is a conveyance they're making uh, on, you know, with uh, their own free will. Uh, most deeds are notarized by a notary who acknowledges that this is uh, a free and voluntary act of the seller and that the buyer buyers are the people that they claim that they are. They're not fictitious people. Uh, that they they can be named and identified. Uh, all parties can be named and identified, and it's a free and voluntary act. Uh, so we should have the deeds notarized, uh, but they don't have to be to be a valid conveyance in Illinois, but they should be. Uh, then we deliver the deed, and it's accepted, and at that point of acceptance, uh, of delivery and acceptance, uh, is when the deed has passed title to property. Deeds are only useful during the lifetime of the grantor. When the grantor dies, e even if they've already made a deed, the deed would have no consequence. It would not be a valid instrument to convey anything. So deeds are only uh, useful while the grantor lives. Covenants in deeds. Uh, seller is making these promises to the buyer with a general warranty deed. If we use a general warranty deed to convey property from a seller to a buyer, the grantor or seller is promising they have the covenant of season, the promise or the right to convey. I promise against encumbrances. I'm going to tell you all of the encumbrances on the property. I'm going to promise you quiet enjoyment, which means nobody of greater title is going to step forward and say that they're actually the owner of the property. Uh, I'm going to have the promise of further assurance, Mr. Buyer. If you ever need any other document, you can come to me and I will give you any document now or forever. And Mr. Buyer, I am making these promises forever. So for as long as you hold title, uh, you can come back to me and I will make uh, you know good on my promises uh, and uh, I'm making these promises even from the very beginning of title. So you have assurances that as long as you own title, I will be there to stand by it and warrant this title. So these are all good covenants found in the warranty deed. It, a special warranty deed, if we convey title voluntarily by using a special warranty deed, uh, there are covenants but the covenants is that the warranty uh, that the grantor is in title. Uh, and then the other covenant or promise is that it's unencumbered. It's an unencumbered title. Those are the only two promises made with a special warranty deed. In a bargain and sale deed, we grant that I promise you, Mr. Buyer, that I have fee simple ownership. It's relatively free of encumbrances, and I promise you quiet enjoyment. So there are some promises with the with the bargain sale deed. Not all the promises made with a warranty deed. And with a quick claim deed, there are no promises. No promises, no covenants, no warranties, no protection. 
So the greatest, the deed with the greatest protection for the buyer is the warranty deed. The deed with the least protection for the buyer is a quick claim deed. Usually, quit came deeds are used in court cases, and uh, the court uses them to quiet title. An example might be at the end of a divorce proceeding, say Mr. Uh, Mr. Owner has to convey whatever interest he has in the in the property to uh, his uh, his spouse, and uh, that's part of the divorce settlement. So he would use a quit claim deed to convey whatever title he had to the uh, wife, in which case she now owns the property by herself. Let's say they owned it in, in uh, Tennessee by the entirety, and he conveyed his interest to her. Now she owns it by herself. With land trusts, <coughs> the deeds, as you saw before in an earlier chapter, we would use a deed in trust to convey to the trustee. It's really a form of a special warranty deed is really what it is. If the trustee had to convey to somebody, they would use a trustee's deed. Deeds used uh, pursuant to a court order, we could call them sheriff's deeds, mortgage uh, foreclosure deed, a tax deed, tax foreclosure, uh, administrator's deed, an executor's deed used in a will. Uh, all of these deeds are forms of uh, quitclaim deeds. A master's deed of reformation is a deed uh, to correct an incorrect deed that's been recorded. Again, all of these are quitclaim deeds. So the only deeds that we have in Illinois are the warranty deed, the special warranty deed, <coughs> and for our purposes, the quitclaim deed. But we'll, we'll, for our, your, our purposes, we won't talk about the, uh, quick, uh, the uh, deed of bargain and sale. Let's just say we have three deeds in Illinois. So we, we need to know there are five promises that the grantor is making from the beginning of title to forever uh, and under the general warranty deed. The special warranty deed just has, has two prom promises and the quick claim deed has no promises. Page 225 refers to the Illinois Transfer Tax Stamp Act. In Illinois, certain deeds, before they can be recorded, have to carry with them transfer tax stamps. And basically what transfer tax stamps look like are postage stamps. There's little men, old men, and you stamp them on there, eagles and whatever. They're not, uh, they're not any big official looking document, but it's a way for the state and the county to raise money by putting a tax on the deeds that we use uh, uh, at closing. There are some deeds that are exempted from transfer tax stamps, and you probably should be familiar with those, and you'll find those on page uh, 225, those that you don't have to have uh, transfer tax stamps with, and way at the bottom, I'm sorry, 226, way at the bottom, 226. But uh, transfer tax stamps, these stamps must be attached to, uh, to these deeds. And uh, the, uh, the this transfer tax stamps uh, go to the state and to the county where the property is located. 
and uh, again they they're, they have to be attached before they're going to be able to be recorded. So the seller's got to buy these. So the question is, you know, how much does the seller pay? Well, uh, the state portion of this is 50 cents per 500, and the county portion is 25 cents per 500. For the whole tax is 75 cents per 500. So here's uh, uh, here are some um, transfer tax stamps rules. Uh, if if the sale price is less than $100, no tax. Um, the taxable value can be reduced by the amount of the assumed mortgage. I'll show you what that is, and what, what that means in a second. Uh, tax must be paid prior to recording of the deed. And so here's here's the way we might compute this. Uh, sale price of our property is 425,000. There is an assumed mortgage, and most of the the ex the exam questions, math questions you get on transfer tax stamps will carry an assumed mortgage. In real life, this doesn't happen hardly at all. An assumed mortgage is where the seller has a balance uh, of a, on his mortgage, in this case of $300,000, and the buyer assumes it. So the uh, transfer tax stamp act says. If a buyer is assuming seller's mortgage, he's technically got not getting the full amount, so we will subtract that from the sale price, thus reducing the amount he's going to have to pay in transfer tax stamps. So if you see an assumed mortgage in your math problem, you can subtract that from the sale price. So in this case, the seller only has to pay on $125,000 after we subtract. And we have this business round if necessary. If after you subtract your assumed mortgage, you have an even number like 125,000, you can keep it. If it were an increment of 1,000, like let's say we subtracted and we had 125,200, we would round to 125,500. So we round up to the nearest 500. If we subtracted and had 125,000, 600, we'd round up to 126,000. So uh, if after you subtract you have a portion of 500, you need to round up, then divide by 500. Well, in this case, we don't have to uh, round it because it's already rounded. And we would get 250, divide 125,000 by 500, we get 250. We multiply that by 75 cents and we get $187.50. That's the full amount of tax that our seller will have to purchase transfer tax stamps at. Remember the full amount is 75 cents per 500, the state portion is 50 cents per 500, and the county portion is 25 cents. Uh, of that state portion, half of that 50 cents goes to Illinois Affordable Housing Fund. So that would actually, whatever would go to the state, half of go, what goes to the state goes to the Illinois Affordable Housing Fund. And again, assumed mortgage, that's the only thing you can subtract from the sale price. In real life, sellers are paying on the full amount of their sale price because very rarely are buyers allowed to assume seller's mortgage. But on your state exam, they will show assumed mortgage, and that's the that number you can subtract from the sale price. Uh, if your math problem has any other 
like a purchase money mortgage or cash or whatever, uh, that can't be subtracted from the sale price. So on your problem, you're going to look for sale price. You're going to look for assumed mortgage. You're going to subtract it, round up if net necessary, divide by 500, multiply by 75 cents if you're looking for the full amount. If you're only looking for the state amount, 50 cents. If you're only looking for the county amount, multiply by 25 cents. We've ta been talking about uh, transferring title by uh, voluntary alienation. You remember when we started this lecture a little bit ago, we said there were four main ways of conveying title. Uh, voluntary alienation, involuntary alienation, by will, and then by a thing called the statute of dissent. So we've been talking about voluntary alienation, using deeds and sellers selling voluntarily. Now we're going to talk a little bit about involuntary alienation. This is when you're selling the property uh, when the property is being conveyed despite your wishes. You're being made to sell, if you will. And the basic ways that property could be transferred involuntarily from you are condemnation. They condemn the property and take it and build the new basketball arena. Um, you can object, object all you want. You're going to lose the property and they're going to, it's going to be transferred from you. Of course, a foreclosure, mortgage foreclosure, or uh, if you're you know, property tax foreclosure sales, involuntary uh, action. Uh, escheat. Escheat is when uh, uh, you uh, die without a will and the property is conveyed to you, conveyed to the county where the property is located. We'll talk a little bit about that in a second. Uh, accretion and erosion is when you get the property or lose the property because of the action of wind or waterway or we talk about avulsion, a hurricane or a big, uh, you know, uh, a uh, flood. Uh, those kinds of things could uh, take title from you and give it to somebody else, obviously, involuntarily. Adverse possession is when someone comes and claims your property and sort of legally steals it from you. Uh, all forms of involuntary alienation. So besides voluntary and involuntary ways of transferring title, a third major way of transferring title to real estate is by will. A will is an instru instrument made to convey real and personal property after an owner's death. So while deeds are used, while owners are alive, they are no deeds are of no consequence when someone's died. A will takes effect only after someone's death. So a will has no consequence while someone lives. Uh, our terms, testator, those that's the maker of the will. A devise is the gift of real estate or the gift of real property. If the devisee is the person that receives the gift of real property. A legacy or bequest is a gift of personal property. And the legatee or beneficiary is the person that receives the gift of real property. So if you look at a will and we look at those particular terms, we'll know what they're referring to. Uh, it then transfers all the monies uh, that are left after all the bills are paid to the people you want to will your will you want to receive under the will. Uh, wills uh, must be in writing. They must be signed by the maker as their last will and testament. You have to be of legal age, which is 18 years of age, sound mind and memory. You have to declare this is your last will and testament. Must be witnessed by two people, preferably the people not taking under the uh, If someone dies 
without a will, then we go to the statute of descent, which is the fourth major way of conveying title, the statute of descent. We have in Illinois a statute called the Illinois Statute of Descent and Distribution, and it says if you die without a will, and you're not a co-owner, so we don't, and you know, so you don't have a will. There's no co-owners to take the property, like joint tenants, or tenants by the entireties. Where does your property go? The state sort of makes a will for you, called the Illinois Statute of Descent Distribution. It says that if you're married with no children, your surviving spouse gets everything. If you're married and only having survived children, the surviving children take it all. So that's where you're married and no spouse, just children. Of course, if you're married with a spouse and with children, wife gets 50%, the children split the other 50%. An unmarried person uh, who would die, so this is someone that doesn't have children or doesn't have a, a spouse, it goes to their mother, father, mother, brothers, and sisters equally. If one parent is predeceased, then the surviving parent gets their portion. So for a single person, if they were survived by uh, a mother because the father had died earlier, the mother would get the father. We start the will process by probating the will. Probate court proves or confirms the validity of the will. It determines all the assets the deceased person had, what they were worth. It identifies the persons who, you know, the, the legatees and the devisees who are supposed to get these assets. Uh, it identifies any creditors and makes sure they're all paid from whatever proceeds that the estate has. We do have this thing called a holographic will, which is a will written in, a, in, a, in someone's own handwriting. Not a good idea. A will really should be prepared by professional uh, people like attorneys. You have to be a little careful that there is, uh, when, when these things are done in people's handwriting, sometimes the courts look askance at them, uh, particularly if you've got uh, one part of the wills in ink, the other part of the will is in uh, pencil, and there's you know cross-outs, and there's erasures and stuff like that. But uh, if someone did one, that would be called a holographic will. A non-compunctive will is a will that is, quote, written at your deathbed. Uh, they typically are for small sums of money. Uh, so if there's a deathbed will, it usually is personal property up to maybe $500 portion. Take a look at the study guide exercises on Chapter 12. Good luck.